We're so excited to be here. Greetings from London. In Romans chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, the Apostle Paul says this. I'm paraphrasing. He says, I've longed to come to you to encourage you that we may be strengthened and encouraged by each other's faith, that we may all be established. And I think that's our heart today in being here with you, that we may be mutually strengthened and established in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we bring you greetings from London. We are living in a post-COVID world, but Jesus Christ is the same. Are you hearing me? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm so glad to be here. I love you, World Machines Church, and oh, you are, I carry you in my heart. Good to be here. I'm not the one preaching today, so I have to. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be back home, like to say. Amen. It's, it's been a long time. Um, I know Jane has been coming in and out because she's had, um, amongst other things, other business, obviously, in the United States that she attends to. She actually travels on Tuesday. Um, she's going to Nashville. Um, anytime she gets on a plane, there are people are trying to figure out, you know, whether she's a musician. I said, what blasphemy? But no, I didn't say that. <laughs> But, you know, she, she um, goes to Nashville um, for a special conference. She's a part of the American Association of Christian Counselors. And so obviously she has to attend. Um, it's been such a blessing to us. You know, obviously, like Pastor says, uh, we are obviously originally from Ghana, uh, West Africa. Didn't know your pastors then at all. My wife knew your pastor's wife, but I didn't know um, them in that sense. But... There is, we live in the United Kingdom at the moment, and we've lived there, our ministry, our children, our families. Actually, we met in the United Kingdom. I didn't know her in Ghana. But there is always, if you didn't know that, there is this love-hate relationship between the United Kingdom and the United States. Now, the politicians try to say one thing, but on the ground, it's always been there. And the United Kingdom will not accept that there's a whole bunch of things that they wish they did like the United States. It's true. And also vice versa. So there's always this thing going on in, in that sense. Um, but for, I said that to say that the American Association of Christian Counselors has tremendously helped our counseling center in the United, I mean, in the United Kingdom to just be just way ahead. I mean, obviously, we're not in a race with anybody else. But as far as Christian counseling is concerned, you've been doing this for 25, almost 30 years. Um, and, and when she began, you could not find a Christian counselor anywhere, as far as I'm concerned. If they were, they were there, they were somewhere in the woodwork, nobody could find them. But in the last 10 years, there's come a whole bunch. And that's obviously our heart. We don't want to be solo players in the game. We want to see other people ministering the word of God, the love of God, the power of God in all its facets to people. And we thank God for that we're able to fly in here and go to a conference and be empowered the right way. And so we give thanks and we give praise to God. Amen. So this year will mark 30 years, not of our marriage. We are, we've been married longer than that, <laughs> but of our ministry in the, our church. We've been ministering longer than that, but the church. So at the end of um, October, 
uh, we have a celebration over the last weekend, the Friday and then the Sunday. So you're all invited. The United Kingdom, we have a banquet, so get your tickets. You know, I'll be saying this in my church, so get your tickets. It's going to be a wonderful food and everything, and then you can join us, obviously, for the celebration service on the 29th. That is the last Sunday. I'm doing very well. While I'm in church, I get the dates all mixed up. Well, look at me coming up with the dates just like that. It must be the Spirit of God. <laughs> Amen. But let's put our hands together, and let's thank God for your pastors, uh, your pastors, the leadership in this house. I really appreciate you um, having us come over um, again. Okay, bless you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You know, I was just, um, um, obviously Pastor Texan has, and his wife have four kids. We have two daughters, two grown daughters, just like they have uh, uh, four grown. But um, we, we always say Kobe is ours so that it's split fairly, you know, um, where we have two girls and a boy. And they have two girls and a boy. Isn't that fair? Praise God. Don't tell the other kids that we talked about Kobe. You know, it's praise God. <laughs> Amen. Are you ready for the word of God? All right. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise. We thank you, Father. Your word says the entrance of your word always brings life. It brings understanding to the simple. And we will be taught your engrafted word today that is able to save our souls and give us an inheritance amongst the saints. And for this, we know our lives will not remain the same, but once again, we'll rise up, Father, to new truth and new revelation in the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your grace to minister your word with accuracy and precision, for you sent your word and it healed them and delivered them from their destruction. And for this, we give you thanks and we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray and everyone said, Amen and amen. Now, anywhere I go, everywhere I preach, I say, tend to your neighbor and tell them Jesus loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. Praise the Lord. Find, you must find two, three people to tell them that. Amen. If you were the only person on the face of this earth, Jesus would have come and paid the price for your life and for that person's lives. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, um, obviously, Pastor extended an invitation to us and then obviously a surprise as well, which I hope all of you will stay to be a part of it. It's just, I'm just so touched, you know, not today, but from the day he told me, I have been just overwhelmed um, in that sense. Can I tell you a secret? My father's name was Dr. Banfo. And, um, and, People have tried to call me Dr. Banful. And I, I, you know when sometimes you try to fight everything, your father, you know, I say, you know, first you start out liking your dad, then you get to a teenager and you start hating him kind of a thing, you know. And um, I mean, he was a good, he was a good father. I can't complain. I always, he was a good, good father. But you know, you have other people around you who are putting things in your ears. So you try to hate your father and stuff like that. And so I hated everything about him. I, I just didn't want to know. Just like I want to, you know, you know, get my own path kind of a thing. But thank God for Jesus. I came to Christ 
And that changed my heart. And I began to see things God's way. Amen. And I always, the fact that they like calling him Dr. Banful, I said, that's him. Leave me alone. My name is Kofi Banful. That's it. Don't call me any other name. You know, and, and they try to sometimes put it on me. Oh, Dr. Banful's son. I said, drop that. I am Kofi Banful. Leave me alone. But as soon as Doc, you know, 30 years down the road, he says, we're going to do this for you. I said, it looks good. <laughs> <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. My father has passed away. My mother is still alive. And I, I told her, we're going to the States and this is going to happen. She said, congratulations, son. And she was so proud. She was, you know, and I know, you know, anything that we met the queen um, a few years ago, my wife and I, and we just downplayed it. We got a little photograph. We just put it in the house. I go into my mother's house in Ghana, and there is this giant size picture of me greeting the queen. And I said, how did you get this? She said, shut up. I have my own resources. <laughs> so I won't be surprised that in the next few days, she will have a giant size picture of Jane and I greeting Dr. Texan, and we didn't know how she got it. She would say, I have my resources. Amen. I looked at my phone before I came up here, and she's already talking to people. I could see that. She's talking to my uncles who live in, in Maryland and stuff like that. She's trying to get them to come to church, but I don't know what's happening. Praise the Lord. Amen. Are you blessed already? Now, this morning, say this morning, I'm going to just lay a little foundation. Because um, what the theme is on restoration. But I've titled my message the restoration of all things. Now, I'm going to tell you about next week because if you don't come next week, you don't get the whole picture. But next week, I will need at least 14 to 15 men to join me to preach. So, sir, look for 15 men for me. That's your assignment. 15 men, okay? Just get the 15 men. They could be tall, short, whatever they are. Just get the 15 men, and you are the leader. What's your name? Oscar. Oscar. So, Oscar, you're in charge. I'll talk to Pastor to find, you know, there are a few things I'm going to do. So, um, um, you don't need to rehearse anything. Just let me know that you've got the 15 men. Amen. Even if you have to go to the cemetery and command them to rise up from the dead, do that. Amen. We, we're open to all. Praise the Lord. But next week, we'll be dealing with the ministry of restoration. Okay? We'll be dealing with the ministry of restoration. A little part of it, because it is impossible, say impossible, for me to teach all restoration or all about that I know of restoration, and I don't think any preacher can do it in two, in two services. It's just impossible. So, what happened was when I saw the theme, I said, this is how it feels like. I felt like I've been thrown in the middle of the Mediterranean. Now, you say, why the Mediterranean? Because we go to the Mediterranean a lot. Uh, Jane and I, for we just came from there. We came from Spain. And I'll never forget, a few years ago, we went with our kids, and we taught our kids to swim at a very, how many of you swim? Praise God. This is a wonderful thing. So I taught them to swim whilst we were little kids, 
And I was in the sea on another part, just swimming with some friends. Then I could look, I looked far out someplace, just like there were a few yachts and boats, and I could see all these little heads. In the, yes, that's all I could see. And I said, wow, these kids, or those, I didn't say kids because I didn't know they were kids. I just said, those people have really swum quite far away from the shore. You know, and I, I knew I couldn't do that because I'd not been practicing that much. So, you know, you know, fine, they're enjoying themselves. I come back to the flat, you know, where, you know, we're staying. Um, and, you know, we're having a chat. And then my daughter walks in. My second daughter walks in. Just excited. She just got married uh, last uh, October. And your, pastors, your pastor kindly uh, blessed the marriage. Um, they flew over. Um, and, uh, and then still hiding their, my son from me. They kept him here because they knew that if they brought him onto the British Isles, anywhere close there, he's not coming back. So they kept him here. Praise the Lord. But the others came. <laughs> and um, my daughter said, just excited. And she was younger. She was, this is going back almost 10 years. She's just beaming from ear to ear. And I said, what, what is it? What's so exciting? She said, dad, 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 today. We swam to the middle, to the mid, right out there in the middle of the sea. It's beautiful. I said, come again. You swam where? Then she said, we know we're among the yachts. You see, did you see those yachts? All those big yachts that were, we were there. I said, among the yachts? Out there? You swam from the shore all that way? She said, Yes. I'm like, oh, my Lord, I'm glad I could not see who was there. My daughter was one of the people out there right in the middle of the, of the, of the Mediterranean Sea. And I, I didn't even try to explain to Jane where they were, how far they had gone, because that would be another matter altogether. So I said, my goodness, guess what? I just taught them to swim in a swimming pool, not just. But that's what I did. But guess what? They grew wings. And now they can take care of themselves. Well, your pastor threw me right in the middle of the sea. But I can swim. Hallelujah. <laughs> I can swim. Amen. I've been swimming for 30 years and more. So we will find shore soon. Praise the Lord. Amen. Just make sure you come with me. Amen. Are you still here? So we are talking about... The restoration of all things. Pastor just quoted from the book of Joel. And God in his restoration plan is able to restore unto you everything that the enemy has taken away from you. Are you listening to me? That is where your faith must be as a child of God. But I want to lay certain foundations and then Oscar is going to help me with the rest of the 15 men or with the 14 men. Now, you, don't, you don't have to. It, it can be 15, 14, 12, but get me some men. Praise the Lord. So all the men right now go and register with Oscar. Amen. All right. And find the rest of them so that we can have at least, at least 15 or somewhere around approximately 15 or somewhere around there. Because I want to show you something next week. But... Let's all go into the book 
of Acts and chapter number 3. Acts and chapter number 3. Sound, am I okay to come down here? Oh, good. Praise the Lord. Amen. Acts chapter number 3. Did I say chapter 3? I beg your pardon. Acts chapter number 1 first. Let's go to Acts chapter number 1. I beg your pardon. The Bible says, reading verse 4 to 6, it says, And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Naturally, when you start to talk about restoration, this is natural. Everybody starts to look at the natural things that are lost, that the house that are lost. The, the, the money that that guy took from me and the, the job that, and there is nothing wrong with that because the promises of God cover that as well. But these people were looking at national Israel and you can't talk about restoration without talking about natural Israel because in natural Israel, our promises of their restoration at different times. If you go all the way back to Abraham, God said to him, you will have two kind of families. One of them, he pointed to the stars in the sky, and then the other, he pointed to the, the sun on the seashore. The ones on the seashore were the natural, his natural family, who we have come to know as the Jews. Then the ones in the sky were his spiritual family, who, strictly speaking, is the church. All the Gentiles. And so both God is working with both. I don't know about you, but I have heard in certain quarters that God has finished with Israel. That's a lie. There's a whole theology about the fact that God has finished with Israel. It's a lie. Because God needs to leave witness for himself. And so even though in Israel, my wife just came back from Israel, I'm sure most of, some of you have been to Israel, a good 80% are not seeking after. In fact, Israel, if we put it together statistically, they are an, an 80s country. And the, the rest of the religious folk are not really going after Jesus. They have their religious traditions based on the law. And the Bible tells us that if you follow after the law, you've got to do every one of them. Otherwise, you fail in all. You say in America, uh, 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 you, 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 you grade on what they call a curve. Isn't that so? Now, I don't understand that. But God does not grade on the curve. God is 100% or not. Yeah. That is why... It is impossible, let me just put it by your side, it is impossible to live this Christian life 
by yourself. Don't even try it. The Bible says, let me give you a few clues. The Bible says, Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. He says, if somebody slaps you on the right cheek, do what? Talk to me. Oh, please. Let's be real. For me, I am real. If I tell you some stories about myself, you'll be shocked. I, I remember sharing a few stories with the pastor's wife. She's gone on to be with the Lord, Ify. She was in, my in our living room, and she had her mouth open. She said, you, Pastor Kofi, you did all that. Not before Christ, in Christ. I told her a few stories. You know how I whooped somebody's hallelujah. Who messed up doing a few things, you know, because I was buying a mobile phone for my daughters. And he came swearing and calling us all kind of names. And I said to him, stop doing that. And he said, go back to Africa. I said, go back to Africa? All he saw was he was on the ground. You say, why did you put him on the ground? Because I had to go that way to go to Africa. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, we don't go any further. Don't go any further. Praise the Lord. Are you blessed? You know we are in church. Praise the Lord. But you can't live this life in your own strength. You can't. If you could, why will he send Jesus? Why will he send Jesus to die such a gruesome death on the cross for us? Then he didn't do, he didn't just leave it that way. When he was leaving, he sent the spirit of God. Acts chapter 2. They were in one place, in one accord, and the Bible says the Spirit of God came upon them, and they began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. You cannot live the life of Christ outside of the Spirit of God, outside of Christ. It is impossible. Because when somebody slaps you on the right, trust me, you feel, in fact, you are moved by the Spirit to slap them. The other way. Oh, yeah. But he's telling us something. You can't do this in your own strength. When somebody sins against you, the, the natural thing is to hold it in your heart. Because if you, if you hold it in your heart, you are punishing them. But somebody said unforgiveness is drinking poison and expecting somebody else to die. So he says, when somebody sins against you 77 times in a day, let it go. What? You can't. Turn to somebody and say, you can't do it. You can't. You can't. That's why your prayer comes to a place. You, as you mature in God, you begin to pray prayers like this. Lord, help me. You, you see, when you, 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 you start to grow up in the things of God, you pray fast. You don't fast and pray. You pray. There's a difference. There's a difference. Some people think the longer the prayer, maybe God will, will get it. No, when you get to a certain point in maturity, you pray prayers like this. God, help! 
pray fast. It's more of him and less of you. I can't do this. But Lord, I can't handle this marriage by myself. I have tried it for 15 years. But now over to you. Help me love this woman. Help me love this woman through me. Help me. And God will say, okay, you'll see what I'll do. But you see, we are trying to work this thing out by ourselves. We are trying to work everything out. You know, all we are saying to God is, you know, God, you know something? You know something? This is what we told our kids, our daughters, you know, about getting a university degree. We said to them, the university degree just gets your foot in the door. Okay, it's not the in and end all. Now when you get there, you've got to be a person of character. You have to be able to be relied on and all kinds of other things. So that, that we said, yes, you need your degree. It will get you in the door. But afterwards, you know, you've you got to come with some goods. Now you can't do the same thing with God. Because a lot of us, this is the way we are believing God. God, just get me onto the platform. Just get me onto the podium. Just open that door for me and God stand back. Go back to heaven. Sit on your throne and watch me perform. And that's how we are living our lives. That's why a lot of us are falling flat on our face. Because we pray, God, get me that marriage. God, get me that marriage. God, get me that woman. Get me that man. Now you got it. Then you say to God, back to heaven. I'll take it from here. God said, you got it, son. And you mess up for 15 years. Then you start to scream to God because you come to the end of yourself. You should have come to the end of yourself the same day you ask God to help you. Are you listening to me? But Israel, or the disciples, I should say, from that verse, they thought that Jesus was now going to claim back from the Romans. Hey, the man died. Three days later, he rose from the dead. My goodness, they set an army to, to guard his tomb. When they showed up, those people were out in the spirit for days. They, when they came back to themselves, they had to take bribes to keep quiet. And they said, his disciples thought, this is a good time for Jesus to become king of Israel. So he said, will you give Israel, is this the time for national Israel? Is it the time for the Jews? Is it the time for our material things to be restored back to us? And Jesus said, no. But you will receive the Holy Spirit. And you will go to every nation with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. That, he said you shall receive what? Power. Power for what? Power for restoration. To restore men and women back to me. And you know what? It took a while. It took a while for them to get it. Because after Acts chapter number 10, Peter came up with a stupid statement. 
You say, what do you mean it's a stupid? It is stupid. He had a vision. God showed him a vision. Showed him different animals. And he says, kill, eat. He says, we don't do that. Three times, if I'm right, or how many times the, 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 um, the sheet was lowered. And then God said to him, never call something I have called clean unclean. Just after that, these guys knock at your door and you find yourself in front of all these Gentiles, Cornelius and his household. And then he says the dumbest thing ever. He said, Pastor, what do you mean? He said, of a truth. Of a truth. Now I know God is no respecter of persons. Fool. Jesus tried to tell you that in Matthew 28. Tried to tell you that in Mark chapter 16. Go in, into all the world. When you go ye into all the world, you don't only meet Jews. And you not only meet, if you are Jamaican, it's not about Jamaicans. If you are Guyan, Guyanian, it's not just about Guyanians. If you are a Ghanaian, it's not about just Ghanaians. Going into all the world means you're going to meet all kind of people, Japanese. You are going to meet Chinese. You are going to meet Ori I mean, Orientals, Asians, Africans, Americans. You're going to meet them all. And Jesus died for every one of them. And up to that point, still Peter thought it was just about him. And the Jews. And then he saw the power of restoration. Without him, I love that scripture so much. The Bible says, as he spoke. As he spoke. See, there are times that we lay hands on people. And people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've been in services that as I spoke, people started receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't just happen one way. My wife saw people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, she went home and she said, Lord, I want what was happening to those people in church. And then she started. In her room, nobody laid hands on her. Are you listening to me? It's still, the, she was born again. So the next thing, she became, she's a part of the family of God. So as a result of that, she received the what? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Are you still here? So Peter, even up to Acts chapter number 10, I don't know how long that had taken. He, he was still thinking this thing is still about the Jews. Whereas Jesus had told them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Folks, this is not about you. Restoration is not about you. You are part of the plan of God. If you submit yourself to it. But it's not just about us getting our little house and our little car and, you know, and thinking we made it in the shade with a lemonade. So we're cool. Listen, there are souls to be worn. There are brokenhearted people to be mended. Are you listening to me? We have to rescue people from the very edges of hell. Restoration is massive. Massive. 
But I thank God that it's not, God is not saying you should do it all. Jesus did it all. And we have to submit ourselves to see the peace that we have to fulfill in our time. Now, let me show you something. Go with me. Are you sitting in the book of Acts? Go to chapter 3. Go to chapter number 3. Acts, I think I'll use the iPad. <laughs> Acts in chapter number 3. Now, in Acts chapter number 3, if you a student of the word of God, you know that is where the Bible says the disciples went up into the time of prayer, okay, which was about, was it the ninth hour? Is that what the Bible says? Now, even there tells you how we're still stuck in the wrong gear. Do you know that there is no hour of prayer? In Christ, there is no hour of prayer. Anytime you want to pray, you have an audience with God. Oh, yeah, we may, we may set, us out, set aside times of prayer, but that is not the time that God is going to hear you. you. You don't set up a time of prayer, and then God says, outside of this time, he's not going to listen to you. Are you listening to me? That's why it bothers me, and this is not criticism. When some Christians try to compare, I've heard Christians try to challenge other Christians to pray, and they'll say, this religion prays so much. And, and they face this place to pray. And other people pray five times facing this side. And we don't do any of those things. We, that's why Christians don't pray. How many wives are in the house? Raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Okay, how many of you want to be a wife? <laughs> Listen to me. If your husband comes up to you and says... Or let's say before, when you are dating this man, here you're excited about getting married, and he says to you, you know something? When we get married, I will talk to you five times a day. I'll talk to you twice in the morning, one at midday, and the other two on the other side of the clock. So apart from that, I don't want you. So anything you want to discuss with me, you've got to put it into those five sections. How many of you go ahead? If you do, then you are desperate. Prayer is a relationship. And I don't want to be, be sidetracked. But we, we, we don't have to have, I pray to God five times. Four times. Now, if my wife wants to talk to me, she just calls me. And depending on the tone of voice, even I know what it's about ahead of time. Hallelujah. I know the tone of, tone of voice when she wants me to help her do something. I know the tone of voice when she's going to kick my backside for some mess that I made. And because we are in a relationship, we talk. Amen. When she came this morning, she went for a run. The whole household went for a run. They are not spiritual at all. I was before the Lord reading my Bible. Hallelujah. Can now people. The Bible says, it says bodily exercise profit little. So your pastor went. My wife went. And Pastor Meg too went. I said, look at them. Bodily exercise profit a little. But it says spiritual exercise. That's what I was doing. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord. But are you in the book of Acts chapter number three? Okay, quickly go with me to Acts chapter number three. I believe go to verse number 11. Now, I've told you the background of the story. Peter and Co. were going to the, what they called the hour of prayer. That's what they called it. And they met this guy who was crippled. You remember that? And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the Bible says he pulled him up and his ankles received strength. And he began to jump and leap and praise God. So we're going to take it from... Let's say Acts chapter 3, because it's, it's because of time, I don't want to be covering too many verses. So let's go to verse 12 and see what the scripture says over there, Acts 3. So the Bible says, so when Peter saw it, he responded to the people. He says, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, had made this man whole. So he begins to take them back. So he's actually witnessing to them, preaching the word of God. Then he gets to verse number 17. He says, yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also the rulers, your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, he says, and Christ, should, that Christ should suffer, he... Uh, he has thus fulfilled. So he says, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that, watch this, so that the times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, who, Jesus Christ, who he preached to you before. Verse 21, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of the things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. He says the times of refreshing. The times of refreshing are also the times of restoration. But the picture we get in the scripture is this. Israel had times of restoration. And when they had restoration, there was refreshing. Have you noticed that there's a few examples? Have you noticed when they came out of Egypt? About two million, three million of them, we are told. And, 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 and they crossed the Red Sea. What was Moses' sister's name? Miriam. Guess what? She began to rejoice. And she sang a song. The horse and its rider cast into the sea. And we sing it as praise and worship. And that was a time of what? Refreshing. Because restoration had taken place. When you fast forward, when they got to the land of uh, the, the promised land, and they had conquered the land and uh, the people and split up the land into all that God said they should in the different tribes and so on and so forth. There was a times, again, times of restoration because the promise to Abraham had come to pass. And I could go on and on and on and show you times. 70 years, they were taken into captivity and they were released again. And they went back to the promised land, built the temple and restoration. That was another manifestation of the restoration of God. Why? Because God always leaves himself with a witness. But all the 
restorations were pointing to one restoration. One person had to sign the document. Otherwise, it doesn't matter whether Moses signed it or Abraham signed it or David signed it or Joshua signed it. One person had to underwrite everything. Otherwise, all that restoration was for nothing. Because the people who went through it were died and were buried and they are in their graves. It all pointed to one man. His name is Jesus. Now I have to take you back into the book of Genesis. In fact, let me stop. Let's, you know, let's go back to Genesis. But uh, let's take a detour. Let's visit the prophet Isaiah. You don't mind, do you? You know, sometimes you're driving somewhere and you say, oh, let's stop and get some chicken on that side. You know, and because you know a chicken shop there. It beats all chicken shops. You know, my, my son-in-law, sometimes when I say it, I'm like, I can't believe this. I do have a son-in-law. And um, she knows my wife, there is a, likes some particular kind of, what's that bird called? Guinea fowl. It's called a guinea fowl. It's bush meat. It's a bush chicken. And this bush chicken, they sell in a particular part of town in London. And my, my son-in-law used to live on the other side of the restaurant where they prepare that bush chicken, the guinea fowl. And so anytime she's coming to, you know, those times they were, they're trying to bribe me, you know, bribery and corruption to take my daughter from my house. So they know that the way they should do it is to go via my wife. Because if my wife buys the plot, I have to sign the document. You understand what I'm talking about? Amen. Somebody told me years ago, he says, Pastor, when you are invited, when you are invited to preach anywhere, find out what the pastor's wife's name is, especially abroad, you know, and buy her a nice gift. Tell your wife to buy her a nice gift. When you do that, the pastor will fall in love with you. Because his wife will say, you see that preacher? Look after him. In, and I've done it. Oh, uh, listen, I'm not, this is not the first time. I've done it in Kenya. I've done it in Rwanda. I've done it in South Africa. I've done it in Ghana. I've done it in Nigeria. It worked like a dream. I know, I know, I know Dr. Texan has taught you a lot of scripture. I'm telling you the other sides. You understand? Amen. Because you wonder why you went to preach such a wonderful sermon and everybody could not be bothered about you. But when you take care of the pastor's wife, you buy her some nice perfume. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When I went to Kenya, I did that, and the pastor's wife said, who told you I like this perfume? I've been believing God for this perfume. I said, the Holy Ghost. It's not the Holy Ghost. My wife told me. He says, buy this perfume. <laughs> My wife is a woman. She's a pastor's wife. She said, she will like it. She will like it. Praise the Lord. He was a huge, big bishop. The bishop let me preach to his church. Almost 10,000 people. Wow. Never preach to that size of people. Because his wife was on my side. Amen. You understand? Get the wives on your side. That's why the Bible says don't mistreat them. That is not only the bishop's wife. All wives must not be mistreated. 
They must be taken care of. Hallelujah. Men, are you listening to me? This is good advice. I've been married 36 years. I know a few things. Look after your wives and you will grow old nicely. Praise the Lord. Don't look after them and they will speak some things over your head that are not pleasant before the Lord. Hallelujah. Are you still here? Where are we? Where are we? What did I say? We're going to, yeah, let's visit. I'll be done in a minute. We had a graduation, you know, so I'll be done in a minute. What did I say? Isaiah, did I give you the scripture? Oh, no, I didn't go to Isaiah. I want to show you a glimpse of full restoration. So I'm showing you the end of the matter because we may never get there. You understand? Because next week we will not arrive there, but at least you know where you're headed. Is that Okay. All right, so are you in Isaiah? I didn't give it to you either. Okay, Isaiah and <laughs> chapter, let's go to 65. There are two of them. I'm wondering which one I should give to you first. Isaiah, let's see. Did I give you 65? Okay, write that down. Isaiah 65. Let's see what it says over there. Isaiah 65. And 65, um, let's see, go to verse, let's go to about verse right at the end. Let's go to verse 19. Go to Isaiah 65, 19. It's actually, I, I will encourage you to read the whole of Isaiah 65. Back up to verse 17. It says, for behold, I create what? A new heavens and a new earth. What does that tell you? It means restoration is complete. By this time, new heavens and new earth, God's restoration will be completed. All right? That must be fair. Then he says, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in, in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing and her people a joy. I rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard. In her, nor the voice of crying. It cannot be today. There's always the voice of crying in Jerusalem. Always. Recently, just where we live in London, where we live, the rabbi who was, was there, he was like an assistant, an associate rabbi who was there, moved back to Israel, and they killed the, these, these guys, just attacked the vehicle that his wife and his daughters were in, his teenage daughters were in. They were headed to go and meet their father for some picnic or something like that. And they killed all of them. So they put it in the paper. I don't go to the synagogue, but I saw it in the local paper. That the rabbi used to work in our community. There is always crying in Israel. So this cannot be the Israel we see today. I've already given you the clue, not me, but the scripture says it's about what? New Jerusalem. So this is not New Jerusalem. The Bible says, no more shall, watch this, no more shall an infant from there be live a few days. Nor an old man not fulfill his days. For the child shall die 100 years old. Now, a lot of theologians struggle with this. Because they say, mm, it can't be the new earth and the new heaven because it says the child will die minimum. 100 years old. 
So if you're going to die at 100, it can't be the new heavens and the new earth because you are supposed to live for eternity. He's trying to say childhood will end at 100. Yeah. Are you getting that? Childhood will end at 100. Right now, when you're 100 years old, we want you to go. Please forgive me if you're 100. Hmm? But he says a child will do what? Childhood will end. So adulthood will begin from, from 100 years. Oh, I'm looking forward to the new Jerusalem. I'm looking forward to it. Amen. Praise God. Are you still here? I'll be done in a second. He says, but a sinner, he says, but a sinner being 100 years old shall be a curse. If you do not receive Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how old you get. You are still a sinner and you are still under a curse. Then he goes on to say, they shall build the houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat fruit. Their fruit, and they shall, they shall not build another for another to inhabit. He says, they shall not plant and another eat. He goes on and on and on about a blessing. Then go to verse 23. It is, it says, they shall not labor in vain, nor bring forth children for trouble. For they shall be the descendants of the blessed of the Lord, and the offspring with them. He says, it shall come to pass, listen to this, before they call, I will answer. And while they are speaking, I will hear. He says, the wolf and the lamb shall feed together. And you know, wolves and lambs don't feed together. One normally eats the other. Then he says, the lion shall eat straw. What? Like the ox. And the dust shall be, be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt nor destroy in my holy mountain, says the Lord. In fact, I think it's the other scripture I was looking for is somewhere in Isaiah. Um, is it chapter 13 or something like that? He says, he says, the little boy will play. He said the little kids will play at the nest, at the hole of the rattlesnake. And the little boy will lead, the little children will lead all these animals, the lion, the fox, all of them. But you see, until that time, please don't leave here and go make stupid mistakes. Until that time, please keep your children away from the, the holes of rattlesnakes and, um, and uh, lions, okay? Because lions like to eat kids, okay? This is the new Jerusalem, the mountain of the Lord. That is the end of what? Restoration. But in closing, I want you to go to the book of Genesis. Like I said, this is very foundational. Have you found Genesis chapter number three? I'm going to announce something to you that I believe would be a big revelation to you. And I'll build on it from next week. Do you know that the Bible is in two parts? Do you know that? Can somebody tell me what the parts are? Shout it out. And what? That's not true. It's wrong. Should I tell you how wrong that is? Where does the New Old Testament end? Somebody shout it out. We don't like professors answering our questions for us, do we? When does the Old Testament end? 
in your Bible. Where? Where does it end? Malachi? Okay. In Matthew, when Jesus was born, was that Old Testament or New Testament? Old. When Jesus was almost at the cross, was that old or new? Old. So your Bible is not equally divided. You can say hallelujah or honolulu. Now don't go throw your Bible away. Don't go throw your Bible away. But this is how the Bible is divided. Watch this. Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. One section. Then from Genesis chapter 3. If I specifically, verse 5, all the way to Revelations chapter 22, the last verse is the second part. You get it? Because Genesis chapter 1, and the Lord said, and the Lord said, and the Lord said, and everything the Lord said when it was created was good was good. In fact, the Bible says he got to a place where God was enjoying so much, he says, this thing is very good. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know when you are eating a meal, you know your wife cooked you such a meal, you are eating it, and eating, you get to a certain point, oh, 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 oh you burst into tongues. <laughs> you say, why are you laughing? Because it's so good. He come on the ha 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 Zebra come You don't want anybody to give interpretation to those tongues. Hallelujah. Amen. You are so blessed. Amen. God said this thing is good. He saw the manifestation of his creation. And he said it's so good. Then we get to Genesis chapter 3. The serpent was more subtle. And all the other beasts of the field. And he came to the woman and said, has God said? And the woman took of that fruit and she ate it and gave it to her husband with her. That was it. End of the good part. From that point, listen to me, God began to do something called R.E., Restoration, restitution, redemption. Are you listening to me? All the reach began to happen from that time. Listen, you can't tell me God is not a good God. From that moment, God began to put plans together to make sure that you are rescued. He makes sure that, so sometimes it, it's a physical building that has to be rebuilt. And he will make sure it is rebuilt. You know, he, sometimes you have to be rescued from one place. And he makes sure that you, rescue, you are rescued because it starts with an R-E. God has been doing a work of restoration from Genesis because in Genesis chapter 3 verse 14. And 15, it says, and the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed, you are cursed more than all the cattle, more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and in, he says, you shall eat dust all the days of your life. 
And you know what? When I was a kid, I didn't know too much scripture, but this scripture, I knew it literally. I knew it because I lived in a place where it had a lot of snakes. And anytime I saw a snake, I didn't feel like stroking it. I feel like taking it out. Inst I still have that instinct. You behave snake-like to me, and if you're a human being, I might just cast something out of you. Are you listening to me? And I've experienced that, where people start to wriggle in meetings and stuff like that, and I cast them out, not the people, but the devil out in the name of Jesus. But watch this promise in verse 15. It says in verse 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. She sh he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Folks, Jesus came, born of a woman, and fulfilled this at Calvary. He was a seed of the woman. And we know a woman doesn't have a seed. He says, this can only be, I, this, this morning I, I had, I just sat by uh, a table that pastor studies on in, and I think that's some programming and stuff like that. And he had this Dick's Bible, and I just said, just for the sake of it, let me read a few of these things, you know. And it, it made a reference, this can only be a reference to the coming Messiah. Because it's the seed of the woman who bruise the serpent's head. Now, I don't go around chasing snakes to kill them. But when I was a kid, there were a whole bunch of them in our neighborhood. Just where we lived. It, we just had them all over the place. And we didn't really go chase them, but somehow they came across our path. And so I know how to take out snakes. I don't know how to catch them. And I will not advise that you do if you are not trained. But if you want training in taking out snakes, both spiritually and naturally, after the service, I'll give a course on it. Because you don't take out a snake by cutting the tail. You take out a snake by taking the head out. And whatever happens after that is just wriggling. Folks, I came to announce to you is that Satan's head has been taken out. Are you listening to me? I came to announce to you, it was his head that Jesus knocked out. Not his tail. He bruised Jesus' heel. But Jesus took his head out. Do you know why? The Bible says he bruised his hands so that when you get to heaven one day, you see, the Bible says, as he is, so are we here. Now, I look different from pastor. Even though both of us are black guys, you can tell the difference. But in the spirit, the spirit dwells in him, the spirit dwells in me. But one day, we will put on a brand new body and we'll be able to inhabit heaven. And the bodies will be the resurrection bodies of Jesus Christ that we will have. But to tell the difference between Jesus and us is that when Jesus sees you, what's your name, my dear? As you get to heaven and you're walking some part of heaven and Jesus comes walking out of some room, some place, and then he sees you, you say, hi, Gloria. And the way you tell that it is Jesus, not Pastor Kofi, 
is because in his hands will be the scar. That never changed. That's why in the book of Revelation, there are two horsemen, both riding, riding white chargers, white horses, but one of them is known if you don't take care as the Antichrist because he's the counterfeit Christ. But the other rider is also riding a white horse. But the Bible says that there were blood. There was blood on his garment so that you can tell the difference. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? Jesus is a marked man. Guess who is a marked person? You. Because you are called to fulfill restoration on the face of this earth. Let's put our hands together for Jesus. Hallelujah. God is a good God. So next week, don't miss next week. Not, don't miss next week. I need 15, at least 15 men. And um, so, so come bring your friends and family. Because we are going to talk about the ministry. Just a section of the ministry of restoration God has given us. And the Bible says judgment must first begin in the house of God. I'm not saying I'm going to preach judgment to anybody. But we have to start dealing with our affairs so that we can go out and do what he called us to. If we are still being infants, how will we be able to go face the world and say we have something to offer? So see you next week. And I know God will preserve you and keep you as he has always done. And let's come and see the ministry of restoration. A bit of it, not all of it. I can't teach all of it. But share a little bit of it, which will transform your life. And for that matter, my life. God richly bless you. Let's welcome pastor. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give God praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Restoration has begun. Restoration is here. And the restorer is who? Jesus Christ. Shall we give the Lord thanks and praise for this word and for what his spirit has done in our hearts and our lives? Praise God through this message from Pastor Kofi Bamford. We want to thank God for your life, sir. God bless you. Hallelujah. And for my dear Dr. Jane, praise God. I will get you perfume on this trip. I promise you. Hallelujah. Because I learned the secret. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you again, sir. Thank you for being here. Let's appreciate the man of God. Thank God. The Lord bless you, sir, and your wife and your family. Hallelujah. I cannot wait for next week. Amen. I want to pray now and bring to God tithes and offerings, gifts of love.
let's take an opportunity to give to God. When we come in his presence, we cannot pay him. We are not expected to because Jesus paid price that we could not pay. Amen. Ah, I can't wait to go home to learn about all the REs. Redeem, refresh, rebuild, restore. That was something new for me, and I love that. Thank you, sir. Praise the Lord. So let's bring to God a gift to God to support the work of God through World Missions Ministries. Let me pray first. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise your name for the restoration that has begun, the renewal, the rebuilding, the redemption that only Christ has made possible. Thank you for bringing us out of darkness into your marvelous light to show forth the excellences, the virtues, the fruit of God's spirit, your character. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for restoring us back to you through Jesus, giving us glory and honor again. And as your servant spoke to us from your word, in addition to the spiritual blessings, spiritual restoration, he read from concern restoration of lands, of bodies, health to us. And so, Lord, we thank you that whatever is lost is now restored. By faith in Jesus, we recover all. So where people need recovery in their finances, recovery of lands and houses, whatever they need, of health, let it be. Let it be their portion today in the name of Jesus. We bring tithes, offerings, gifts of love to you. Thank you for receiving them. Blessing us. Blessing this ministry to accomplish the work of God in the earth. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Declare all blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. And God bless you. On your screen, you will see three ways that you can give. Praise God. So let's uh, follow that, those prompts that you see on your screen. If you're here in the sanctuary and you already have an offering, you can bring it to the baskets to my left and right. But the three ways are Zelle, PayPal, and also by checks. Zelle, PayPal, and by checks. Zelle, the number is 571-234-2387. Zelle transfer to World Missions Ministries, number is 571-234-2387. Thank you. God bless you. If you are giving, I want to do it online. Uh, go to wmmchurch.org wmmchurch.org and click on the donate button and give online securely through PayPal. Finally, you can uh, bring a check into the offering now or for those of you online who choose to send a check in the mail, 
please make the check out to World Missions Ministries and mail it to 6805 East Clinton Street. 6805 East Clinton Street, and that is Clinton, Maryland, 20735, USA. That's the location where we have church services every Sunday. We appreciate those of you who join with us online every Sunday. God bless you. If you happen to be in the area, Washington, D.C. area, please visit with us. 10.30 a.m. Sunday mornings. God richly bless every one of you. Hallelujah. Amen. We will end our online service at this time. The next service we're going into is our graduation service. And so... This particular reel will end and a new reel will begin. Amen. We'll begin uh, the graduation ceremony of World Missions Ministries Bible College. And for our school of ministry, that is named after yours truly. In other words, myself. Uh, Anthony Turkson School of Ministry. This year we have five graduates from our School of Ministry. Thank God for their lives. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. Yes, congratulations to them and to their families and friends for supporting them. Praise God. The man of God spoke about how we are to break restoration. 